Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball. 52 weeks out of the year, there's no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am dropping this on the fourth day of October 2018. I'm recording this. We're on Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Hey, what I'm doing, I'm doing one of those little. Here are my thoughts before the game, and here are my thoughts after the game. Um, I'm saying this so it doesn't sound like I'm making predictions that are, you know, that, that are in retrospect. So I'm just starting right now. In about 10 minutes, the Oakland A's are going to be playing the New York Yankees in the Bronx for the American League wildcard game. Now, the Yankees are a 100-win team. The A's won, I believe, 98 games, 97 games, whatever it was. They both had wonderful seasons. In some years, that would be enough to have the best record in baseball. In most years, 100 wins is enough to have the best record in baseball. But this year, there were, you know, 100 wins is the third best record in baseball. And there will be, you know, there's will be one team in the American League that has won 100 games that won't play in the American League Championship Series, just by math. Both teams are wonderful teams. Both teams have their flaws. And the Yankees and Aaron Boone, who, you know, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I give, you know, Aaron Boone and the front office a lot of credit. They did not have, they don't have an MVP candidate. There's nobody on the Yankees who you think would be a top five MVP candidate. You know, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout. Uh, if you want to say Francisco Lindor, if you want to say Jose Ramirez based on about the first three quarters of the season, if you want to say Chapman of Oakland, uh, if you want to say Bregman of Houston, these are all, you know, you could populate very easily a top five American League MVP candidates without mentioning a New York Yankee. You can, I mean, can you name five starting pitchers? Uh, Blake Snell and Justin Verlander are probably going to go one and two. Uh, I'm not, you know, you can convince me either way for either one, but that's probably one and two right there. Uh, Corey Kluber's got to be really high up there uh, for about two thirds of the season since it was Chris Sale, Blake Trinan, if you want to throw a reliever in there. Uh, Carlos Carrasco actually had a wonderful season. I'm, you, know, you throw a lot of pitchers in there, uh, and, I'm, and I'm probably not thinking of one or two of them, but, y- you know, you're probably not going to throw a Yankee in there anytime soon. So you consider there was no one dominant player on the Yankees, and they still won 100 games without the dominant ace, without the dominant player, miss having Aaron Judge miss a significant amount of time, and they won 100. And if you listen to Yankee fans, what a calamity this season was, but it was, you know, they won 100. And they did so with people up and down the lineup hitting home runs. I and mean, that's one thing this Yankee team has, is they do have a lot of power, but what they also have is the ability to get shut down. Now, granted, when you didn't have Judge in the lineup, it was very easy to shut down the Yankees lineup. The Yankees lineup without Judge was bad. And when you took out Judge and you started uh, Gary Sanchez and you started Greg Bird, then, you know, that that was a bad lineup. The addition of Andrew McCutcheon has been good. Voight's been good at first. They're, They're a team that can hit, but they're also a team that can get shut down. And there is an easy solution 
to beating the Yankees. And that is jump on their starting pitcher. There are some teams you want to get into their middle relief. The Yankees are the exact opposite. To beat the Yankees, you have to jump ahead. You have to score three or four runs early and then hang on. And you know, Trinan can probably go a couple innings. Their A's bullpen has been was outstanding for a while. Now it's merely good. But they're going to be playing a bullpen game starting uh, Hendricks for about probably five or six outs and then just play whoever they want. You know, they're not going to go a typical starter route because they know it's just one game. So just throw as many of the pitchers as you can. Familia, Rodney, you know, uh, uh, trying and everyone goes, everyone can go, you know, five, six outs and boom, you've, you've cobbled together a game. Now, I had recommended that the Yankees do that. I recommended that they get Jay Happ to start, then Lynn, and then you try to get to the point where you get Green, uh, Robertson, Betances, uh, Britton, Chapman. You cobble together nine innings. Now, granted, if they do that and suddenly we have another 13 in the marathon, then you're kind of sort of screwed. That's the danger of when you go to play a bullpen game is if you go with the extras, woo, who we got? But the Yankees are going to start Severino. Now, I think they should start Hap. I know the Yankees lineup, uh, sorry, that Oakland's lineup is right-handed heavy. But I also think that Hap right now is the better pitcher. Now, Severino has pitched better. He was outstanding the first half and then was disastrous right after the break. And he's improved, but the A's are almost as formidable as the Yankees just in terms of how many offensive weapons they have, whether it's Davis, whether it's Chapman, Jed Lowry's had a great year. They can jump all over a pitcher. And Severino has shown he's very vulnerable. And I'm not going to take last year's wild card game. You know, that, that has nothing to do with anything. Because Severino actually pitched well after that wild card game fiasco last year. But I don't trust Severino. I've seen enough Severino this year to know that he can still pitch well, but against a good lineup, they could jump on him early. And that's how you beat the Yankees. So, look, at it's ridiculous to make a prediction on one game. But I'm, what I wanted to do is get this on record now and say I'm clearly not rooting for the Yankees. I'm not. But. I think that starting Severino is a terrible mistake. If this were game one of a best-of-five series, I would start Severino. It's a do-or-die game. Now, Tanaka was the obvious choice to start this game until he had a bad few weeks. And so I do understand why you don't pitch him, because he's not giving you any vote of confidence. I would pitch Hap. Now, the one argument you can make is if you pitch Hap and he, and he struggles, you can't then turn to Severino. But if you pitch Severino and he struggles, you could then turn to Hap. That is one way to look at it. But I wouldn't mess around. Britton, ninth. Chapman, eighth. Robertson, seventh. Betances, sixth. Green, Five. So you need four innings. 
you know, if you have Hap throw and he goes into the fifth, you're it's gravy. I don't think you're going to get that out of Severino. And if Severino puts them in a hole early, then that's the recipe of how to beat the Yankees. Do I mean, do I think the Yankees are going to win? I know it's one game. And a bounce here or a bounce there, it, could, it can go either way. But I think that the manager, when you have a do-or-die game, you have to manage it in a way that you know there's no tomorrow. That's why Showalter not bringing in Britain in the 2016 wildcard game was so egregious. The season was on the line. Yes, if he had pitched Britain for two innings and you've burnt them and you can't go back to using them, fine, but you, you've at least used your best player. If you get eliminated on a Juan, on a, on a, I'm sorry, an Edward Encarnacion home run and you say, oh man, we lost on a home run. Well, did you use all your best players? No. In fact, our best reliever we never used. Well, that's on you. You got to use the best players available. We'll see. There is no ace on this Yankee team, so it's it's not as cut and dry. If Tanaka pitched well down the stretch, then it would have been cut and dry. You hand the ball to Tanaka. Say, go as long as you can. We've got the bullpen to back you up. But we could be having two bullpen games and two very sloppy box score. By the time this is over, sorry to cough midway through. Anyway, the game's starting in just a few minutes, so you all know what happens, but I wanted this recorded. The first half of this podcast is me saying... The Yankees and the A's, obviously it's a coin toss. I think the A's are doing the smart thing by playing a bullpen game. I think the Yankees will ultimately play a bullpen game. But it's risky, risky, risky to start a pitcher. I don't care what his full season stats are. To start a pitcher that may put him into the exact hole that is the key to beating the Yankees. Okay, so that's the end of part one. I'll come back and give you my thoughts. Well, that was a disaster. And um, you know what? My thoughts on Severino are not 100% unfounded because he got in trouble a bunch of times. You know, I know that there's going to be a perception of the game that is going to be written in retrospect, that they started Liam Hendricks as an opener and the second batter in of the game was a two-run homer by Aaron Judge, Yeh's never had the lead, and the final score was seven to two. And so there's going to be a narrative, and I'm already seeing it take place, that well, this just shows you bone petting doesn't work. As any innovation that's sort of a uh, you point to that and you go like, oh well, this is something new, it didn't work, and therefore it's bad. Well, the bone petting wasn't what sunk the A's in last night's game. Yes, two batters into the game, the Yankees had a 2-0 lead on the most predictable home run ever thrown in baseball history. But remember that um, Trevino came in and shut the Yankees down for the next bunch of innings. And the real reason why the A's lost that game wasn't bullpenning. It was because they couldn't get the big hit when they had runners on base in the third and fourth inning. They left the bases loaded one inning. They had two runners on the next. Chris Davis, who hit a garbage time home run eventually, 
came up in a big spot and struck out. The Yankees got the big hits when they needed them. The first one to put the A's on their heels, and then there was the triple by Voigt, the little dunking double by um, Stanton, and it put the A's in a situation where they had to panic and bring Trident in in the sixth inning because the game was getting out of line. Now, that shows something that I felt I actually admired because it was not managing to the tyranny of the save. The, the season was on the line, and they had to bring in their best reliever at that point to stop it. It just turned out he had his, one of his worst outings of the season at the wrong time. But it wasn't the bullpenning that lost that game. I'm adamant about that. It was the Yankee pitching getting the big out when they need it. Notice how he phrased that. I think the Yank I gave Severino credit. But you know, he you know, he didn't let up a hit for the first four innings, but he was wild. And he was on a short lease. He let up two hits and they brought in Betances. Now Betances has had an up and down season. Uh, but he was up. He was terrific last night. And this was an instance where the reliever got the win and he earned it. In fact he owned October last night. He came in, if Betances got smacked around, that's a very different game. It's a very different game. You can write a very different narrative about it. Throughout the third, fourth, and fifth innings, the A's were constantly one big swing away from turning it into a ball game. If that game is 2-2 going into the six instead of 2-0, it's a very different outcome. You're not bringing in Trident in the sixth inning of a 2-2 game. You know, but it didn't happen that way. So, I mean, there, there will be a tremendous amount written about the A's bullpenning and it being stupid and everything like that. <clears throat> and, you know, they could have started Cahill, they could have started Fires. There's a lot of things they could have done. You know, if Shawmanaya wasn't hurt, he would have started the game, and this wouldn't even be an issue. But none of those happen, and here we are. Red Sox-Yankees in the division series. Hope you enjoy it. And so the A's season is over. And sadly, like the 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2012, 2011 and 20, uh, no, 2012, 2013, sorry, I'm going backwards, and the 2014 A's, they all ended on a winner take all game that didn't go their way. Think about all those years I just mentioned where if one of those years things went the A's way, and in a bunch of those years they had the lead late, in some of those years they had the winning run at the plate, like in 2000. And three in 2014, twice there were three outs away. <clears throat> Actually, twice there were two outs away from winning the 2014 wildcard game. If any one of those years bounced correctly, then Billy Bean's legacy would not have been Brad Pitt sadly driving around listening to his daughter play the guitar. And it still hangs on him. 
Now, this year was... There's no way I could call this a choke for the A's for, for a couple reasons. First of all, nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw... I mean, you could have pointed to the A's and said maybe they'll improve, but nobody saw this team going from a 90-loss team to having a puncher's chance at 100 wins. I mean, they finished with 97. You know, this is... This is 97 wins is often what the World Series winner has a total like that. And nobody saw that coming without a big dominant ace pitcher. Nobody saw you know, Matt Chapman turning into a top five MVP candidate, or at least a top ten. Nobody saw Blake Trinan, who was a fine reliever, putting together the season that he had. And so, I mean, it's all about expectations. I know many, many A's fans. I'm right now in the Bay Area. I know many, many A's fans are frustrated because of all the years I just rattled off. That of all the years, what has now been a couple of decades of Billy Bean at the helm, there's been a tremendous amount of regular season success. Think of all the, pen, the, the postseasons I just rattled off earlier for a small market club. In that same stretch, the Brewers have been in, what, three or four times? The Pirates three times. The Padres, what, twice? That's what a team like the A's should be. Like once a decade, they get a division. Instead, they're regularly in it. And because we only judge things by October, another team is Kansas City, who in that stretch has only made two postseason appearances, but has a much greater reputation of its greatness because they won back-to-back pennants in the 2015 World Championship. Have the A's been more successful than the Royals in the regular season? It's not even a question. It's not even a debate. The A's would be like the Cardinals or the Red Sox in terms of their frequency in the postseason. But that's not how we judge things. There's been one postseason victory, which has been the 2016 Division Series against the Minnesota Twins. And that one, that season ended ignominiously on a sweep by the Tigers in the ALCS and the walk-off home run by Maglio Ordonez. It's not fair. It isn't. Baseball is not fair. But it's what you play for. And there's got to be something, you know, and there will probably be calls for Billy Bean to leave or something like that. Like, okay, this, you know, he's, you know, he's worn out his welcome, but this is the third incarnation of a team that he's assembled that has become a postseason team. The first one, you know, the, the first one which he had to kind of remake on the fly between 2000 and 2006, where there were a lot of adjustments along the way. I mean, you could almost count that as two teams because the 2006 team was a very different team than the ones in 2000, 2001, and and 2002, they didn't have Giambi, they didn't have Mulder, they didn't have Hudson, they didn't have Isringhausen. It was a very different team. But people will be quick to judge them and people will be quick to say their innovations don't work and good old-fashioned hardball will win it and everything. A's fans, I know a bunch of them, and let me tell you, 
they are a unique brand. They go to their stadium, which sucks. They know they've been overshadowed by the Giants who play in a jewel of a park and have won championship after championship by the Bay this decade while they've been struggling to try to advance even one game. And they love their team. Man, you go to an A's game, you're surrounded. It's not a huge crowd. You're not going to have your regular 50,000 going to an A's game. But the ones who are there are so adamant. They love their team. And they're so defensive of their team that they know they're not supposed to win, but here they are. And people are going to bring up the payroll again. And yeah, the A's had the lowest opening day payroll. And they made it to the wild card game. That's an achievement. But it's an achievement that's getting a little stale. So I want to at least salute the A's for giving Bay Area fans something they weren't expecting, which was a summer. Especially with the Giants flopping. It's exciting. It was always exciting to turn on an A's game. They're a fun team to watch. But do you know what? In a year where they got so many big, big hits and big dramatic hits that make Ken Korak's voice crack more than mine is right now, what will be remembered is that two pit, two batters in, they were down 2 nothing, and the Yankees never looked back. And we'll have a Red Sox-Yankee division series, which... I'm sure makes Fox happy. Not sure how I feel about it. But that's for a different podcast. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me uh, on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You'll be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Breaking down the end of the A's year and sort of thinking about what could have been. This has been Sully Baseball for the fourth day of October 2018. Is that the year? I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.